Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Kyle. And we, we have, have issues. This is going to be a really interesting episode, I think. Our guest today is Samantha Cooper Peck, Sam, who recently, well, Mark, I'm going to let you explain it, but recently went through a, a pretty significant ordeal, being arrested, charged with felonies, and then recently acquitted. And so just what little I've been able to read about this story, I'm just kind of fascinated to hear the details. You know, Kyle, this is one of those kinds of deals. If it's not real life, like if, if you'd read about this somewhere else and didn't know this happened in our community, you would think this is the kind of thing that can't happen. I mean, literally this lady, Samantha Peck, um, or Cooper gets charged a class four felony literally for calling the police and saying, I think this lady might be drinking and driving. Literally gets charged with a class four felony for doing that very thing. It is an unbelievable story. I'm super excited that she agreed to be here with us today and have her tell us this story from a firsthand perspective. Good, well, I'm anxious to talk to her, thanks. So, Samantha, thank you for being here today. It's, thank you for having me. nice to get to meet you in person. You as well. <laughs> now, do, do you prefer Samantha, Sam, recently acquitted what? <laughs> Sam is great. That's okay. what I prefer. Only my mother calls me Samantha when she's, okay. you know, so being I will... a mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll make sure it's Sam. It's so, Sam. Um, so I obviously, we, we want to go into kind of some detail here about what what has happened to you recently around this issue. Sure. And but just to start with, just give us a little bit of background yeah. on what happened, the case, kind of what 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 charges were brought against you. Um just so we can get a our listeners can get a kind of a general understanding of the issue. Sure. Well, and, and it's real quick, I mean it seems to me, um, you know, if if you just hear sort of the end of it, like the whole trial aspect of it, it gets like a little bit unbelievable. Like this can't happen, but it really did. Yes. And it takes a lot of context. Yeah, it does. Uh, it's, it's complex. It's not as simple as a few paragraphs, but I'll try to go back in time and tell you a little about why, why I was there. I think that's okay. an important part. Yeah. Um, I got involved because I heard through the community that there were issues with the Woodland Park School Board and that they weren't, they didn't have the intention of doing the job they were elected for, which was to look out for the entire district. But they were showing favoritism, passing policies and procedures that were not in the best interest of all students. So I started to do some research, talked to a lot of other parents, teachers, community members, and it turned out it was worse than what I thought. And so I decided to volunteer and help out. That's when a group of mostly parents, but there were community leaders, church members, teachers, involved in trying to make sure the school board was held accountable. Well, when you write letters, you show up, you speak, and things don't change, they get worse. That's when a group of people decided to organize a recall in hopes to do a new election now that we knew that the community members that were elected were not living up to what we thought they should be. And so so just to be clear here, this whole thing, this whole incident you getting charged with a crime starts off because you want to recall some Woodland Park uh, school, school board. board members. Yes. And I know a lot of politics are brought into this, but I think it's really important for people to understand that I'm very moderate in my politics. I try to stay out of those kind of issues. But when it comes to innocent kids and teachers who I just feel are underpaid, overworked, they're the glue that kind of sets our kids up for success. When they start to get attacked and kids aren't receiving the resources they need, uh, one of the best things about our country is that no matter how you start off in this world, if you're willing to put in the time and work hard, there are resources. And one of those resources is public education. So to have that be threatened is why I got involved. So it had nothing to do with 
right or left views. Sure. Yeah. So what, what were the names of the school board members you were going to recall? Sure. So um, the, the biggest one here is David Illingworth. And, and that why, is, is he, why is he the big one? Uh, the, his views, his inability to have conversations with the community. He was the one who was writing the most aggressive emails to teachers and community members that were just not in a collaboration with the community, but more into his way or no way. Um, the other two have their own issues, and that's a whole other story. And I don't want to get mm -hmm. into the pros and cons of each school board member and what their what their backgrounds are. But that was the person that received the most signatures from the community. Okay. Okay. So, what happened when you got arrested? Yeah, of or course. Why? Uh, yeah. Why? why? Yeah. So, a, a little background uh, to the continued story is that a lot of people were afraid to put their name on the recall forms. You have to have three people who are willing to put their name, their address, their phone number on these forms. And there's so many people who were in support uh, just, of the and, recall. And just for clarity, as the petition gatherers, not as a person signing the petition. Correct. So at the top of each, you know, there right. are rules yeah. to recalls. You can only have so many signatures. Right. You got to have this, that. But at the top of each one, there has to be a committee yeah. that is public and known. And your name was associated and with that committee. One of the leaders reached out and said, we're not fine. Everyone wants to help. No one wants their name on this form. They're terrified that someone will attack them. Yeah. And I said, I'll put my name on there. My my profession, my family, um, the nonprofits I'm involved with, they all know that I am supporting a recall and why I'm doing it. And my community supports my belief system. So I'll put my name out there. That's where the trouble begins is my, I'm one of the three that were on that list. Oh, all right, so your name's on the list. You're recalling these three school board members, the yeah. most significant of which is this guy, David Illingworth. Yep. I assume that uh, being a school board member, or I know being a school board member doesn't pay a living, and so he does something else for a living. Yes. What's that? He works for the district attorney. So the local district attorney's office. Yes. He's a deputy district attorney under yes. Michael Allen? That is correct. Okay. Yes. So... Uh, as the recall gets closer to the due date, you only have so many days to accumulate a significant amount of signatures. Uh, there were there started to be some aggressive behavior to the volunteers. And so whether that was screaming, kind of throwing things, getting so in someone's face that they're spitting on them, that one of the leaders reached out to the, the Woodland Park Police Department and mentioned there were some issues coming up. What should we do as a group of volunteers? What should we be doing? And the police department said, call us if anything appears unsafe. That is a recorded tape. Um, people have access to it. I don't know who currently can share it or can't share it, but that call happened. And it was shared with everyone who was volunteering that if they felt anything was unsafe to make a phone call to the Woodland Park Police Department. So that happened. And then as a volunteer and I'm sure the military community and anyone who has some um, drive to be a really good leader, you you sign up for the shifts that aren't as popular. So I was signing up for the last shift. Uh, we chose places where people could come to us. Yeah. Walmart was a spot we were very successful, and then threats started to happen. People started to target us there. So we moved and, to the and, Safeway. And just real clear, it's, and I'm sorry to keep interrupting yeah, you, no, but I just okay. want to make sure this is all completely uh, documented here. Yeah. So and you're talking about, yeah, petition gatherers out there, Correct. the kind of people standing out, hey, Clipboards, would you mind signing my yeah. petition? And you're telling us that there are some people showing up being aggressive to them. Yes. So our the recall volunteers are and, standing and are, outside with permission. And just clearly volunteers, not volunteers. paid this is not gatherers. paid. We didn't. It took us a long time to figure out the process. This is really a group of parents. Okay. A few dads, mostly moms, yeah. trying to figure this out while we're still being parents and having jobs and being involved. So it was a lot. I could you know, probably spend an hour talking about how difficult it is to to know this kind of information and to run a recall or anything uh, using your legal rights is a very difficult process. Yeah. But we had picked public spots and we were doing everything door to door, um, setting up at the park. But a lot of people wanted us to be stationary because their schedules they couldn't be somewhere at an exact minute. So we could yeah. park there. So Walmart became a known spot. And then it the closer we got, the more aggressive behavior against 
these volunteers. So we had moved to Safeway. And so that's where the hour shift and I no longer had a shift. So I went to just check on the volunteers to make sure they felt safe. And that's uh, where the incident occurred. So that's why I was there. So what happened with the incident? What took place? So checked on the volunteers, went inside to get some groceries after I knew they were feeling comfortable. While I was inside getting groceries, my clerk that was checking me out left me mid-assistance to do something behind me. And I looked over my shoulder to see what the emergency was. I've never had a clerk walk away from me with about 20 items just mid on a, on a not busy day. So I turn over and I notice she is helping a woman in self-checkout. The behavior of their engagement seemed very odd to me. And my thought in my head was that woman might be drunk. Didn't have any other reaction except that I should probably warn these two volunteers that there is a woman who looks intoxicated that is going to come out of the store and will probably engage with them. It's normal human behavior when people are under the influence to just want to talk more, engage more, and sometimes be more combative. So I wanted to warn them so that they could be prepared. When I went to warn them, their faces lit up and they said, oh my gosh, is she wearing purple pants? And I know that sounds ridiculous, but purple pants got brought up in the courtroom extensively. These Numerous purple times. pants. Yeah, these purple pants. Well, when I, in fairness, when I wear my purple pants. I, I'm sure it, you get it, noticed, It makes Mark. a statement, too. Yeah, yeah, purple pants do it. And I said, I, I think so. Keep in mind, I was looking over my shoulder, yeah. so I didn't. I think so. And they said, she's already talked to us. We, won, we believe she's intoxicated or on something. And we think a phone call needs to be made. So this is how yeah. the, the incident occurs, and it, it goes from there. Yeah. So what, what's the incident? You, you make yeah. the phone call. So I make the phone call. I go in. I make sure we're talking about the same woman. Um, I was super nervous to go in and, and mm -hmm. take a photo. But I didn't – I mean, purple pants is not exactly a clear indication we're talking about the same person. So I just wanted to verify, make yeah. sure I didn't – you know, we it's three stories. We each had an experience, and it wasn't two separate women. Yep. So the – By the way, did you know who this woman was? At the time, I did not. Okay. Um, Keep in mind that now that I know who it is. We'll get um, to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the volunteers had the longer engagement with that with this person. They spoke with her. They they had their their accumulation of information that said, I definitely think this woman is drunk. So once we verified, keep in mind they're still getting signatures. My name is on the recall. I'm a leader. And I felt like it was my responsibility to make the call, yeah. um, especially because we had received permission before. So I thought, OK, we're a group. We're an organization. I'm here. I should help. So I went to my car to make the phone call. Phone calls made. Police show up. They talk with this woman. They don't do anything. Um, I didn't. I felt at that point it was none of my business. Yeah. If, if it's just because she had an odd personality, that which I mentioned to the police department that call was somehow lost so we we can get into the details of that but um, so, so you make one call to the make police one, I department make two calls. Well, well but yep. but for you make one call that's recorded that one's saved that one's preserved yep. you say hey i think this lady's been drinking and driving yes i say um, potential drunk driver and right then i mention this is a key part in the courtroom i mention that i'm calling on behalf of volunteers so it is in the recording, not only is it in the recording, but when I call dispatch, it's proven through the record that that statement, I'm calling on behalf of volunteers, was typed in and received by Officer Humphrey in his car. So it did not say Samantha Peck. It did not say a woman. Yeah. It said volunteers. So he knew that there were volunteers there who were, port were reporting this. Okay. And that's an important and, fact. And yeah. Officer Humphrey ends up being the um, responding officer, Correct. the one investigating of them, yes. officer? Yes. Okay. Yep. So so you make a, you make one call, you report it, you, you make a second call. What's we get the second disconnected, call about? and okay. you can hear that in the recording. It okay. says, hello, hello. You can see that I that she's no longer speaking to me, and I'm, I'm yep. on the phone. So I call right back. Um, it's proven on my phone that I made a minute and 28 phone call. And I don't want to accuse anyone. I don't want to point my finger or say, 
What was said in the anything. second call? So what I believed I said, I, I thought I was speaking to someone. They don't have it on record. And the dispatch um, officer said it, she never spoke to anyone. So, But you did. I feel I talked to okay. the same person. I do feel that way. All right. Um, it's on my phone. It happened. There was a call that happened. I don't know where that recording went. I don't. Well, you don't have to hedge your bets here. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you talk to somebody, you talk to somebody. I yeah. felt I talked to the same okay. person. She laughed in the call and said, oh, I tried to call you. So the fact that that call's just missing um, is, a little, is a little concerning to me. But in yeah. that call, I said, hey, I know we got d- disconnected. I want to be very clear. I did not talk with this woman. I didn't see the child. I'm calling on behalf of the volunteers. And I don't know if she was drunk if she is taking a medication, and I was not as nice, I said pill popper, or if this is just her personality. But you told us to call if anything appeared unsafe. I didn't want this to fall on us, so I thought it was better to be safe than sorry and leave it up to you as experts to make a decision on what to do. And then I saw the lights come up, and I said, I believe they're here, and she said, okay, great. Um, and we hung up. So uh, there... There was a voice there, yeah. uh, to my recollection. Yeah, of course, but and and so, so here we have this incident. I mean, and, and this is literally it, right? I mean, this is the this is all that happened. I left total after of that. the incident. Yep. You didn't. So you didn't talk to the officer didn't, after this. Or I anything. felt you it was none of home. my business. I went right. and made sure the volunteers still felt safe and that they were going to depart when they were done. They said they would, and I said, okay, I'm going to go home, put my groceries away. We did what we were supposed to, just make sure someone uh, who's got a level and, of training and community you know they're a pol- police officer so yeah. i don't really need to be here anymore and yeah. to, to be clear you didn't murder anybody you didn't assault anybody didn't, you didn't have an engagement with anyone didn't, didn't yell nothing. at anyone didn't push anyone no physical contact with anyone i just made two phone calls and were was very clear that i was not sure and that it was on behalf of a group okay so that was what was said Okay. And and you end up being charged with a, two a, accounts of yep of felony attempt felony attempt to influence a public official yep and false reporting and false reporting which yep. is a class two misdemeanor yes now Kyle and, I, go ahead but it was two weeks later when you got arrested yes. right yes it was okay in that two weeks you had no contact with anybody I did have contact okay yeah okay so after the incident I got a call from Officer Humphrey asking if I would give a statement. Okay. Um, I said I was already on my way home. He asked if I could come in later. I was going out of town for 24 hours, uh, out to Montrose, so like gone all day. And I said I couldn't. And he asked if he'd come if I'd come in the following morning. And I said I would. And we hung up. Um, I, actually, a correction. I let him know there were volunteers, and I gave him their number during that call. Okay. So like, hey, maybe you want their statements because well. they're the ones I called upon. Yep. So I made sure to say that to him. So our phone call was just a few moments. And then um, I went about my day for the next 24, 48 hours. And then during that time, I am told by our recall group who the person is. Okay. So it happened that evening. It went that fast. And, I mean, people and we're talking talk. about who, who yeah. the purple pants person so purple, was. So purple pants is Katie Illingworth, David Illingworth's wife. And David Illingworth is, again, he's on the um, the uh, school board yes. in Woodland Park, and he is also a deputy district attorney in the 4th Judicial District. Correct. Yes. Okay, which is the judicial district for Woodland Park. Yes. Okay. So um, so, so, what happens then? And you, you, the police officer called you, you know, and you said, hey, I can't come in today, but I can come in tomorrow. Did then, you end up going down and talking to him? So... I didn't want to go down. So when I didn't show up the following 48 hours when I said I was going to show up, he sent me a text, are you coming in? I call him and we have a 17-minute conversation in which I am very upset. I'm crying. Um, I said, I do not want to give a testimony because they will come after me. I said, now I know who it is and I didn't know who it was. And by they, you're talking about the The Illingworths? As a couple, but also the group that supports them. There are three or four very known people in Woodland Park who are outspoken and very aggressive, have hate in their heart when they post comments online. It's not factual. It's just anger and, you know, they're not in a mindset to have a good community conversation. And so I knew that. And once I know who this is, and I said very clearly to, to the officer, 
if I would have known who it was, I never would have called. Okay. So you have a 17-minute phone yes. conversation with him. Yep. And I think there, there are facts in here that weren't are hearsay, so it can't be shared in the courtroom. But he said things to me like, how can I protect the community if you don't come in? I promise I will file in a different district so they don't know it's you. I know cops can lie, but yeah. I just didn't feel in this situation he would lie yeah. to me. So I trusted this officer. I really believed him. I thought he was going to look out for me and protect me. I actually didn't know that he was working against me until way well, after I was arrested. Well, but if he but if he has this conversation with you, right? I mean, he has a conversation, and yeah. presumably all conversations are recorded he at did, police He chose not to record my call. He so didn't record so this call. So the 17-minute call is missing? It's very interesting <laughs> that the second call into Woodland Park and the 17-minute call with him is not recorded, yet a you know 90-some minutes of him having a conversation with David Ellingworth is recorded. So it's very interesting what this police officer chooses to record and chooses not to record. And once again, I don't want to accuse anyone. Maybe he just didn't hit the button, maybe whatever reason. But wow, is that convenient. So what, 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 then what happens, you know? So after the 17-minute call, and obviously it's not hard to figure out who I am Yep. All it took was, how can I help people if you don't come in? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to go in. So I go in and make a statement. Everything I said in that statement is true. It's public knowledge. It's It was in the courtroom 15 times. You can see it. I have it saved on my phone. It's a paragraph long stating exactly what I said in the call. Two volunteers. I believe there was a child because one of the volunteers brought up a child. I misunderstood her. I didn't know that at the time. I thought I was repeating exactly what was told to me. Um, and then a few days later, I'm arrested. And how, how did that happen? So, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, he calls you and says, hey, would you come in and make a statement? Mm -hmm. You do that. I assume they called you and asked you to come in. No, and Oh, they, what they happened? Didn't. Um, if they would have called me to come in, like, I think nonviolent crimes yeah. should be i would have brought a lawyer i would have gone in i'm i'm a, you know i'm a law-abiding citizen i would have never attempted to do anything otherwise well, and, and by way of background um army veteran right i am an army vet yes Bla black hawk helicopter pilot i am an aviator who flew black hawks yes yes went to the uh... <laughs> i went to west point i'm a, an 04 grad yes yeah so you know clearly upstanding member of society I... no criminal justice experience prior. I, you know, I feel like just because you serve doesn't mean there aren't people who have served who who have done things that yeah, aren't, sure, but, aren't great. But besides that, I volunteer. I focus on my kids. I got involved in this for yeah. the right reasons. I try when I even argue with people about this issue to keep it about the facts and not the person. Yeah. Attack the policy, not the but ethics of the, sure. you know, all the reasons that you look at another person and say, I really believe this person has good intention, wants to do well for their community. So I would never run from the law. Well, but here's, uh, what, I, but here's what I'm yeah. getting at here. There is There's, no indication that you're going to be a problem. No, no. no indication that says, hey, We've got to show up at freaking midnight to arrest yeah. this woman. It was yeah. close to midnight. Um, they would not let me put on undergarments because I was asleep. So I was asleep. It was a summer they day. They wouldn't let you get dressed? No, they wouldn't let me get dressed. I happened, so I'm at home with my, thank gosh, I mean, goods and bads. Um, my kids are in the house. They're up too late. I will admit that as a mom. It was a summer evening. I had to get <laughs> up to work. I had a big meeting in the morning. Long story about how that went down. Um and so the kids are up playing video games when they shouldn't be, and they answer the door, and I am asleep. Uh, so I'm in, like, a tank top and shorts, but I have, you know, yeah. no undergarments on under my tank top that would make it appropriate for a woman of my age to go out into public. <laughs> um, and they not only – they almost didn't let me put on shoes – they wouldn't let me even lace them. The My son had to go to my room and get my shoes and hand them to the police officer who let me slide them on almost like a sandal. He wouldn't let me like put them on the right way. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> yeah. So did they say why all this? I, so, and once again, you know, one issue at a time, but um, 
I asked what I was being charged with. He couldn't tell me. He couldn't read it to me. Officer could not read it to me. Nope. And, so, did, and did they have a warrant for your arrest? I asked That's to see a warrant. Question. He couldn't show it to me. So no warrant for he, the so, arrest? So I, no warrant and no... I asked for a warrant and what with. I was being charged with. And he eventually said something like, I think it's attempting to do this. But he stumbled quite a few times and couldn't give me an actual answer. And then, so to, to top it off, you know, I do attempt to make sure my kids' electronics are, are a certain way. So their phones turn off. Like they can't make phone calls at a certain time. So the only reason my kids could make phone calls when I left is they let me leave my phone. But then I couldn't take my phone with me and they wouldn't let me make a phone call. So you didn't get one call? So what happened was there was one Teller County police officer who booked me in when the other ones left. I explained to him that this this was something political. I really feel like this is wrong and and that I didn't know because I left my wallet with my kids. Is there any way I can get one phone call, please? And Proving that there are good police officers, even in Teller County, he found a way to get me a phone call. Nice. Um, that is the only reason I got out in so, time to so, not lose my job. So, so real quick, let, let me understand this. <clears throat> what? what it, well, first of all, how old are your kids? My so my oldest at the time um, was fourteen, and then my twins were eleven. And and so, I mean, obviously, they let you call somebody to come and take care of them, right? So I had to beg. I had to beg and they let my boys call their dad on my phone and the cop did speak to him and say, we're taking her, but no one stayed to make sure he showed up. And my ex-husband is a great father. He would never not, but it's midnight. Like what if he thought it was a prank call or yeah. what if, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to hear his voice. I didn't know if he heard them correctly. Yeah. And then I, you know, are my boys going to call anyone? Are they just going to go to bed? What are they going to do? How is this traumatizing them without any adult supervision, I didn't know because yeah. they wouldn't let us stay to make sure they were okay. Oh my gosh. And so here, here we are, you get charged with two counts of attempt to influence a public official mm -hmm. and one count of false reporting. And to be clear, literally, literally the allegation is she called and said, Hey, I think this woman's driving drunk. Correct. That was the allegation yes. that got charged. Potential with. is the word I used in my call. So yeah. I didn't. But yeah, potentially I didn't even say I knew drunk. for sure. Yeah, and I was very and so clear. So, so they're saying you're trying to influence the cops into yeah, Officer uh, Humphrey and stopping dispatch. her. I guess I don't know. Those are the two um, officers I tried to influence, you, according to them. You, you know, okay. Kyle, I've been a deputy district attorney, um, prosecuted a lot of criminal cases in the state of Colorado. I can tell you, um, attempt to influence a public officials left for you know, like you know, trying to you know, hey, I'll give you money if you. Um, you know, look the other way on this issue, or you better not do that. Uh, like, you know, vote this way on a bill, or I'm gonna, you know, yeah. send the compromising pictures kind of thing. <laughs> it's not, oh, hey, I think somebody might be drinking and driving. Like, well, never in my. But that's part of the marketing around stopping drunk driving is report it. Yeah, report it. See, see something, something say, say something. something. Well, not only that, but it's on the Woodland Park website. <laughs> see something, say something, and Officer Humphrey on the stand couldn't say he knew that. So just know, Kyle, if you you know you see a potential drunk driver and you call, you might get arrested. You're in the fourth and, judicial and... district. So so why, Sam? Good thing I always use Mark's name when I call. On those <laughs> yeah, this is Mark calling. Uh, I think this person's driving drunk, and it's probably Mark. Well, no. it was an argument made by my lawyer that if someone really wanted to be that malicious, why would they call from their own cell phone and use their name if that was the intent behind the call? Yeah. Oh, right. And yeah. I did not hide my phone number. I did not hide my name. I really thought I was doing the right thing. Yeah. So so you get these charges. Yeah. Um, and what this is about a year ago, right? Yes. And finally, I this was... thing goes to trial yeah. here uh, in Teller County yeah. um, last week. Correct. What happened? I was found not guilty on all charges in under 30 minutes. Wow. And, and it, so uh, the jury deliberated less than 30 I don't minutes. even know if they deliberated. They oh. had a bathroom break. Um, I don't know. They had to sign their well, form. They were gone for 30 they minutes. They were gone for roughly 30 you, minutes. You gotta, wow. Filling out the paperwork takes like 20 is yeah. in and of itself. And they you hadn't know? been able to speak to each other. So I'm sure there was some venting. Like my yeah. friends are venting. They still call and say, can you believe he said that on the stand? Can you, I, I wish we could do something about like people who well, sat in court 
still are carrying this around very fired up by how ridiculous it was. So I'm sure 12 people who haven't been able to talk about all these facts can't wait to say it to someone. So, yeah. And so the question becomes, though, how do the cops, you know, because, you, you, I mean, ultimately, it's it's the responsibility of the DA's office to determine what charges are going to be brought forward. Mm -hmm. You know, the cops can make suggestions. They can, you know, fill out the form, do the ticket, whatever, and say, hey, I think this is what we should charge. What I'm, you know, and, and I know I've, I've read this in the newspaper, but what baffles me is how they got to the the, the felonies, the attempt yeah. to influence a public official. David Illingworth suggested it to the police officer. In the 90-minute phone and call? Then you, and you can see that. That they didn't. Yes. Yeah. That, they were, that he recorded. Oh, yeah. he did record yeah. that. So it's in there. Yeah. Um, I can't even get through so, all the video because it just hurts so, so my to soul. Be, to, yeah. be, to be clear, you know, I mean, if we look at this logically, David Illingworth says to the, I mean, what does he say to the, the cop? The exact words, uh, something about, you know what you what this can be. I can't, I don't want to quote wrong because remember, I remember sure. if I say anything incorrectly, maybe I'll get arrested tonight. So I'm very nervous to Yeah, but to I kind of remember what the quote was in the paper, but it was something along those lines. Around, he suggests he makes a, yeah, you know, a, if, if she reacted this way, you might have a case for this. Yeah, he makes, now, he makes his now, suggestion. Now I'm thinking to myself, I mean, you could say it that way, right? You could say it however you want. Um, well, you you know, Kyle, um, if you got me, a, if you bought me a hamburger, I promise I would do better in our next podcast. What am I trying to do? Influence you into buying me a hamburger, <laughs> right? I mean, that makes like no sense to me. Like, like literally what you're getting charged with is what he's doing is exactly what yeah. he's yeah, doing. That's with what I was going to say, because you were charged with trying yeah. to influence that same officer. Yeah. That he interviewed but with. He's not up on charges. And is he suggesting. Now? Oh, yeah. I was getting ready to ask if oh. the DA's office had charged him. I don't him believe yet. so. They. You, you I mean, gotta wonder I mean, what's even going if you on say over it there. In a suggestive way, there can still be an attempt to influence. Yeah. I mean, that's that make. I mean, and, and literally, if 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 hey, I think this lady is drinking and driving, is an attempt to influence a public official, at least in the mind of the district attorney's office, because they're ultimately the ones responsible for this, right? Then obviously that is a much greater attempt to influence a public official. Why isn't that being charged? You would think so, but I don't, I don't know. It's, this has been a heart wrenching experience to know corruption and favoritism at this level. Now, it's, and, yeah. and the other thing that sort of gets me in all of this, this case didn't, um, end up with a special prosecutor, right? So it didn't go to another jurisdiction for prosecution. It didn't. And not for lack of attempt by my by David Lane. Mr. Lane and Maddie Lips are who represented me. Phenomenal humans, just so willing to do the right thing for the right people. Um, they did everything they could to try to make that and, possible, and it did not go through. And in this case, the DA's office said, I, I, I read it in the paper, said, uh, listen, that was the judge's decision. The judge is the one that decided to keep venue, to keep it here. Now, I, I, I can tell you, again, as a, a former deputy district attorney, uh, oftentimes prosecutors or DA's offices, this isn't our case. We, you know, we shouldn't handle this. We've got, in fact, you know, I was a DA in Pueblo and, and literally just had a deputy district attorney be a, a witness to a crime, and they sent it to another DA's office. Not even... Yeah. You know, having a family member that is the alleged, yeah. and I'm going to use the word alleged very strongly here, and the word victim loosely, alleged victim of a crime. Yeah. And they don't farm it out. They could have done that on their own. But but they, um, and, and your attorney argued in court, hey, this should go to another DA's office. He did, yes. And what was the district attorney's response, you know, for the 4th Judicial District? They can be fair. That was their response. And once again, I don't want to quote exactly what was but, said. But effectively. That. They could be, yes, they could be fair and effective without moving. Now, so since then, have you had a chance to talk to any of the jurors? Have any of them no, but explained they, their decision to they you? They did or? reach, they did speak to both the DA representatives and my legal team. Um, I needed to get out of that courtroom. If yeah, you want to know the truth, understandably, like I just needed to get out of there and just breathe. Um, but they did tell both um, Mr. Bentley, who's the 
one of the lawyers and Mr. Lane, my lawyer. Jim Bentley from yes. the district attorney's yes. office. Yeah. Um, that it was the worst, I think the grossest, but the worst abuse of power they have ever seen in their entire lives. And they agreed upon that as a group was the message given. And the gentleman, the juror that shared that was in law enforcement, land management, uh, I believe, or parks, uh, ranger style. I yeah. know they get very upset if you say the wrong word. So, <laughs> sir, I'm very sorry yeah. for not... Yeah. giving your title the right way. But he was in law enforcement for 28 years. So this isn't someone who does hasn't seen things. Exactly. And for him to say that um, was just a big weight off my shoulders that I'm not insane. That yeah. like that the world isn't absolutely crazy. This this man who's seen so many things. And I was actually nervous about him being a juror because of that brotherhood, which we have in the military and law enforcement has it as well, that he wouldn't be able to see through that. But Clearly, that was not the case, and I'm really grateful that there are good people in this world still. Do do you have any legal recourse at this point? You mean, will I be taking any action against? Um, at this point, all I want to do is get back to my life for okay. a minute. Okay, um, I there, just, Mark's the attorney yeah, here. I'm and not. I don't know the legal stuff that well. Should so I I'm, get an opinion? So I'm just curious. There what are the... quite a few people who have reached out and said, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you should. And I... I want to make sure that I put my effort and focus into things that can make the best and biggest difference for our community. Yeah. And I don't know if a lawsuit or anything like that would bring much value. Um, yeah. It's going to, what they'll do is one police officer might be held accountable. One yeah. person might be held accountable. Uh, a small amount of money I might be able to donate back to the school district or something to do a good deed with it. But all in all, the best way I can put my time and effort is to refocus on the purpose, which is making sure students are protected, getting people into school boards that actually have an ethical compass and are not there for some kind of crazy right or crazy life left belief system, and make sure we're looking out for students. So I'd rather donate my time to helping other people run in elections than to waste the court's time and the taxpayer dollars over one police officer and yeah. one lawyer who really has no right leading anything. Um, <laughs> hopefully the community will hear the story and they will vote better. And then I don't have to yeah. waste well, and, and, taxpayer and to be dollars. Clear, you're not just talking about one lawyer. I mean, there obviously there were the lawyers that were in the courtroom. There's Illingworth that is part of the DA's office. but There I mean, are quite a few lawyers in the DA's office that I think we need to reconsider as, as a community. And, and yes, 100%, but we can, we can do that at election time, I think, instead of me wasting the buck starts yeah. stops at the top yeah you know, yeah obviously um well i, I you know one of the um little bits of de delight uh i actually had out of this was uh you know that i mean what 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 can the da's office say about this right like they can't say this was a malicious prosecution and this was a stupid case to go forward with as though anybody who reads or knows about this um knows that this was just a a horrible um a, a abuse of power and waste of taxpayer money, um, obviously. But but one of the things that gave me a little bit of delight in all this was uh, I, I read in the paper, the DA's office says, we respect the jury's verdict uh, and we respect what the jury had to say. So I'm assuming they respect the fact that this one juror, at least one juror, says to them, you know, hey, this is the worst abuse of power uh, I've ever seen. Hey, um, Michael Allen also told that to some people in the community. Who asked him? And Michael Allen's the elected DA. Yes. What, and I'm sorry, what did he say? Uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter. He said it to people in the community when they asked him about what he thought of the outcome of the trial. And he Respect made a comment the juror as he kind of smirked. So um, it's concerning for me. Uh, and I don't, it's important for me to only talk about people's actions and not who they are. I don't know Michael Allen. Yeah. I don't personally know the Illingworth family. My issues are with policy procedure and how you do your job to protect our community, to help our community. His behavior towards me in this case, he will not get my vote come 2024. So, but it, it, at the end of the day, it, here's kind of what it comes down to as I see it. Th this lady's inconvenienced for what? Five minutes, 10 minutes for a traffic stop? And honestly, when you watch the video, it seems like they're really favoring her and being very kind to her. Okay, so but but you know I don't she, even know if it's that big of an inconvenience. But but so. hey, she's, you know, five minutes late getting home, yeah. right? I mean maybe ten at the very most. 
And literally, this is a year of your life mm -hmm. taken away from you, having felony charges hanging over your head. Oh, the fear and the worry of your job, your profession, your kids' safety. Will they be persecuted or attacked because of me being their mother? There was actually a point where my friends would make me write their phone numbers on my arm and report when I got home and report when I got up to make sure that I wasn't arrested in the middle of the night for something I didn't do and taken without anyone knowing and not being able to receive a phone call. That is how I lived for a year was having wow. to check with my friends to make sure I was safe and okay because clearly there are people in our community that have so much power they can persuade the police department to do things that are illegal. I wow. mean, it's almost, it reminds me of what you hear about Nazi Germany, people just showing up and arresting people on fake charges. I mean, it's that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly been in the news a lot lately with, uh, you know, the what people perceive as the um, political persecution of Trump. I mean, you know, agree, disagree, whatever, but... You know, anytime the criminal justice system yeah. is weaponized for personal or political gain, it's just wrong. Yeah. Funny yeah. story. Um, I'm a my military background. I respect you talk about policies and procedures. I respect every president we've had. It's really important for me to maintain that and be upset about procedures. Even and not Millard people. Fillmore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but when when I after I got arrested, tr um, President Trump was on the television asking about where his affidavit was. And I'm on, you know, I'm working out the gym. I'm like, me too, sir. Me too. Where's my affidavit? Because it's the same thing when there's that kind of power yeah. pushed. Documents go missing. Things aren't written correctly. Tapes um, disappear. Tapes disappear. Yeah. Um, you know, Officer Humphrey ask, kept saying something about something him. I said, and I never said that. He's just making it up. Uh, it's pretty awful. Yeah, that's 17-minute conversation just to go not, missing. That's yeah. pretty wild. Super wild. Wow. Or just didn't record it, right? His The argument from the Woodland Park Police Department would be, it isn't mandated. We have to use our camera, but it's suggested. And the instruction on what they would like police officers to do is the same procedure and policy they have now in place that they must do. And he was picking and choosing when to use that policy and when not to use that policy. So they've changed the policy? There was a, and once again, I'm afraid to say anything <laughs> because if I'm off by one minute, I could get arrested at my home at, any, Ted, at any given time. Ted can yeah. erase all of okay. this if it comes <laughs> and, to that. And Kyle's got bail money. Yeah, so. yeah somebody come get me if, if you don't <laughs> hear from me. He just has bail money I'm on I'm in Teller County somewhere, so yeah. come and find me. Ted's like, um, don't drag me in. Yeah, the, the thing is... Body camera now has to be on at all times when you're engaging. Um, yeah. And at the time, it was highly recommended and suggested, but the date of exact was not during that time. So they use that loophole of we have this technology, but the mandate of when it must be on happened after I was arrested. Yeah. So they use that gray loop as, oh, I can put it on when I want to, and I can turn it off when I want to, and I'll record this and not that and 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 do what I want. But because... It was not an official policy. Um, hmm. There's, I, I believe what I've heard from a lot of the community has reached out and given me facts. Hey, don't forget to talk about, um, see something, say something. An old, a former police officer said, make sure you bring that up with the lawyer. You know, people sending me suggestions, people really caring. And someone mentioned that there are police officers who are charged for not turning their camera on during investigations. Yeah. And, um, he was in the loophole of that being a suggestion. Wow. And not well, well, like I said at the beginning, Mark, Mark knows a lot more about this than I do. Plus he's an attorney. He understands the details way more than I do, but I just have to say, I, I, I'm glad you got acquitted on this. Thank you. It, it sounds pretty atrocious and at least there's a little faith in the system that the jury was there to make the right call. Yeah. And so, yeah, but the whole thing is just kind of unbelievable. It, it's, I still, I still have a tough time well, sitting with it. And well, the other, in, in, the, in the, though you're acquitted, you still lost a year of your life. A in all year this. of my life, no travel. And, like I had to cancel yeah. vacations with my kids. I had to get permission and, and, to take my kids to my father's funeral. Do you know how hard that is? As a hardworking community member, my father died of um, a pretty awful situation in the medical community. Not you know, abuse. Yeah. And I had to get permission to 
to honor my father. Like, how terrible is that? I don't want to cry, but you can see, no. like, I'm a crier. So, no, I get that. Um, it was really hard. It was a really, really hard year. And luckily, I work for a company that saw through this and knew who I was, and they didn't fire me, but they could have. Um, my boards yeah. chose to just ignore it and let me continue with, and I'm so grateful to the Fire Foundation, to Warrior Saber, to just so many nonprofits who stood by my side, but there were a lot of people who just chose to distance me. And that's hard. It's yeah. hard that a bad article in the Gazette, it's hard that a bunch of people who made sure to get editorials out there writing things that aren't true about me yeah. are how mm -hmm. your reputation is affected and then to live in fear knowing that the police are not ethical and honorable. Well, I, um, I saw online a, uh, an editorial from the Gazette. Terribly written that, about me. Awful. That yeah. attacked you. So yeah. um, that, I thought that was interesting, uh, having that written before there was a trial. And you wonder who helped write that or where that came from. Yeah. Um, it's curious. I do want to make sure. I, there are some phenomenal law enforcement officers. Um, my brother-in-law's in law enforcement. We talked about Bill Elder is one of the most amazing yeah. men I've ever met. I just happen to deal with two departments that yeah. are not running ethical procedures, do not care about their commitment to the community. They care about their own gain and who they can influence in order to promote their own personal agendas. And that's a really hard thing for someone who lives their whole life trying to serve to know that people are out there behaving that way. It's, it's, yeah. been, a, it's been a rough year. I can't imagine. Well, well Kyle, uh, you know, the lesson from this, if uh, if you see something, are you going to say something? <laughs> uh, depends on where I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark and I had a joke that, you know, if I'm bleeding and I got, I was like, I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I might have to call someone who knows you to call for you because I'm very nervous to call any type of police department. Yeah, with any it, type of issue. Yeah, or it's also going to depend on if I have my copy of your driver's license with me. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, at the time. This so. is Mark calling. <laughs> so, well, Sam, thank you so much. Thank for, you for having yeah, me. Yeah, I really do for appreciate being part of this and, and sharing your story. Yeah, and sharing this. This is a asking you to relive it, which I'm sure you do constantly. But um, thanks for thanks for your story. We I really think it's important it. for the community to hear it, even if it's really hard for me to talk about it. I think people need to know that it's not made up. It's not a movie. It's not a TV show where someone yet. is falsely charged. Well, <laughs> yet it's not a TV show yeah. yet, but it could happen to you. So please don't miss an opportunity to vote. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't vote based on an RD. Get out there and learn about the candidates. Make sure you're doing the right thing for your community because it is up to us to make sure people like this don't end up back in power. And yeah. speaking of that, uh, any thoughts of going back to this recall effort? You know, I'm going to support the community where they need me. Quite a few of the candidates running in Woodland Park um, against the the individuals we were trying to recall have reached out to say they're grateful and they are happy for me and I think they're good people running. If I can support them, I will. I've made some donations in the, in the D20 region because my kids will be going there and trying to support those candidates. I'm helping um, in Kelly Leverton's campaign. What a great man. I can't wait to see. Hopefully he'll get a chance to lead in, in School District 11. Corey Williams is a close friend of mine in School District 2. So anything I can do to make sure people who, uh, who just care, yeah. care about the kids, not, not an agenda for one far, far right crazy side or far, far left, just keep public education a resource for our community and make sure kids are getting what they need. Make sure teachers are treated with respect. That is where I'm going to put my efforts into right now uh, in hopes that come November, we see a better Southern Colorado. Great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Wow, Kyle, I promised, you know, in the the introduction that this was going to be a pretty unbelievable story. What did you think? I, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but getting uh, more detail on it, I'm very just kind of fascinated that this could even happen in our community. You know, I know there was probably a lot of information, a lot of details we didn't even get to, but for me, going through the whole thing and then understanding the jury's take on the case itself. Yeah, the worst abuse of power. Exactly. Tells you, kind of tells you everything you need to know that if a 12 person jury comes to that conclusion that quickly, I, I, I'm just I'm amazed that this even happened.
You know, Kyle, here's what gets me in all of this, in all of this. You know, this isn't the first incident of using the district attorney's office and weaponizing the criminal justice system for political or some sort of personal gain. It, it has happened time and time and time again under this current administration. You know, Pete Lee charged with a, a crime for not living, you know, where he said he lived. That case ends up getting dismissed because their information was bad. But they spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours working on that case. They spent countless hours and taxpayer dollars working on Sam's case. You know, crime is up 17% in our community. Uh, violent crime's up 34%. Yet we're wasting all of these precious resources, precious person hours, precious dollars, trying to exact political retribution on people like Samantha Cruper. It is unbelievable to me. Imagine if they had just put this kind of effort into the first case of the Club Q shooter, the case where he ended up in a standoff with the cops, you know, and says to him, hey, if you come in here, I'm going to blow your heads off. By the way, way more of an attempt to influence a public official <laughs> than calling the police and saying, hey, I think this lady might be drinking and driving. Imagine if they had just put half the hours, half the effort, half of the taxpayer expense into a case like that, maybe this shooting never would have happened. It is just unconscionable to me, Kyle, that this kind of stuff can happen in our community. Yeah. So I... I, I, I uh, speechless. Yeah. Yeah. Just just kind of speechless at this point. So, but glad we, glad we were able to chat with Sam today. I, I really enjoyed it. I... I'm anxious for this episode to be out there so people can understand more about this issue. Obviously, there's lots of other information out there about it, whether it's news stories. Somebody wants the full detail. I'm sure they can go find the, the transcript somewhere. Um, but it's a good story to tell. It's a, you know, it's an important story to tell. That's important. for sure. Yeah. 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 Thank you for listening to We Have Issues. Special thanks to our producer, Ted Robertson. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mark. And boy, you're right. We have issues. Tune in next week for even more.